Welcome to Detour to Neverland, where you are the author of your own Disney story. There's a lot of satisfaction in developing ideas into realities. And you can find magic in your everyday life. If you do what you really want to do, you feel like you're playing. How can you write your first chapter today? Dreams are how we figure out where we want to go. Life is how we get there. I'm headed this way. We're your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 251. Thank you so much for joining us. Today is a continuation of a previous series that we had called Storytelling, and we're going to continue that one, and it's all based on attractions. And that's where we started, and really the goal there was to take a different look at these attractions in the Disney parks and try to get a better understanding of what is the story that's being told to us, what is the emotion that's trying to be pulled out of us. And so now we're taking that same concept and we're applying it to restaurants. And I think there's no better candidate to kick this off than Jock Lindsay's Hangar Bar. Oh, I agree. I think this is a great starting point, especially if you are an Indiana Jones fan. So we're going to get into all that. But this is also a continuation of the conversation that we had last week where we introduced just Disney Springs as a whole because that is the backdrop for a lot of the restaurants that we're going to start with. So it's almost like within our restaurant storytelling, we're going to first dive into Disney Springs, because to us, those were the restaurants with the stories that maybe we didn't know as much about already. So it's just kind of a good place for us to start. Um, What we've already discovered is there is a lot more storytelling that maybe is more behind the scenes. It's a little more hidden, not so much in your face. So I think it'll be fun. I think so too. And I used the analogy last week and I think it still stands true is that Disney Springs is kind of like an onion. There are so many different layers to the story here and so many different things going on. Uh, Before we get too much further into this, I do want to point out that if you are listening to this on the audio version, this particular topic is actually going to have two YouTube videos come out with it. So We are filming our conversation here. If you're watching on YouTube, hello. Thank you for watching. We also filmed our experience at the Hangar Bar and filmed some of these details that we're talking about. And we're condensing that in to kind of like a little highlights version, if you will, Mm -hmm. of just the overall, just little pieces of the story. And then we'll go more in depth here on the full version. So if you're not already, please subscribe to our YouTube and you can get another kind of snippet or an accompaniment to this conversation here, kind of see some of the things in real life that we're talking about. So let's go ahead and get started into it. And let's just lay the groundwork with some of the key facts for Jock Lindsay's Hangar Bar. So it opened on September 22nd, 2015. It's a little bit interesting. It actually had its opening a week before Downtown Disney officially changed to Disney Springs. 
So it opened up with a lot of the other restaurants, the mainstays that are in that landing area. But for a, a week, it was actually in downtown Disney. It's almost like they just couldn't wait. Maybe they were just so excited to open up this new bar because it is pretty cool. Even the outside, like it draws people in. I feel like they just couldn't wait. And I don't know if you remember too much about this time, but this was kind of 2015 is right when I really started getting into theme parks and theme park news. Uh, mm -hmm. That's towards the end of college for both of us. And so I, I don't think they did a wonderful job of marketing hangar bar, but I guess that's just you think they could have phone. done more. I think that still, even to this day, not many people, I think maybe, you know, a quarter of the people who walk by know that it's Indiana Jones themed, but even less than that, you know, one out of however many know, you know, a lot more of the details about what this bar is actually about. Cause we were in that camp. I knew it was just Indiana Jones themed and I knew I liked the drinks. So that's why we went there. Mm -hmm. And, but it is something. And we even watched, I did, they did a good thing. They, the Imagineers, when we watched some of the promo on this, they said, this is a bar that people will come back to over and over and over again, because you cannot consume all of it at one time. Well, and I know we're about to get into some of this too, so I'm going to hold off on my other comment until we talk a little bit more, but I do agree. I fell into the same camp where I almost wanted to argue with you a little bit today um, because I didn't understand that this was also Indiana Jones themed. So I'm sorry to anyone who's a big fan. I am not. So I had no clue. So we will preface this. We are coming that this from two different fandom points of view. You are not an Indiana Jones fan at all. Have you ever seen them? No. I I would say I'm a moderate fan. Like, I I like them. I owned all of them on the VHS growing up, or maybe DVD. No, I had the box set of the DVD. You do, yeah. I do remember yeah. that. And I watch them, you know, once a year maybe, but I'm not a fanatic like many other people are. But I do think, a little bit of foreshadowing, this bar is approachable to many different people on the, on the spectrum of fandom of Indiana Jones. It's not in your face at all. No. And it is just a cool atmosphere. So even if you have no interest in any of that and you just want a cool place to hang out, this is definitely the place for anyone. It's not necessarily like Oga's where it's kind of like, if you don't get it, you're really missing a lot. Mm -hmm. You are and you aren't. I don't know. We'll save that towards the end. We will. We'll get to all that. So this is located in the landing area of Disney Springs, which if you listen to last week's episode, we did talk about this is the transportation district of this fictional town of Disney Springs. And so obviously that fits here because you have boating references and you have airplane references in the hangar bar. This space was previously occupied by the Rock and Roll Beach Club in Pleasure Island, which... Neither of us ever got to experience. So no. if you did get to experience that, please let us know what it was like. Sounds cool. It does sound cool. We like rock and roll. We like beaches. So surely we would like this. But the fun fact, so this is what I was saving for my other comment, is that this space was originally intended to be the Walt Disney World version of Trader Sam's before they decided to put it in the Polynesian. So... I think it would have done very well here. It's definitely more hidden, and I kind of like that element about it being at the Polynesian. 
But I feel like when you think about the entertainment and the things that everyone loves so much about Trader Sam's, let's call it Trader Joe's. Yeah. <laughs> when you think about what everyone loves about Trader Sam's, as far as like the interaction and the fun little quirks, we watched some videos too, where they did things like that. Um, we haven't experienced it going ourselves. Have you? Because you've been more often than I have. Hangar bar, obviously pre-COVID, they did a lot more of that than they are now. Now they're just kind of operating like a normal bar. But yeah, there were a lot of gimmicks and, you know, plays on words and a lot more acting that went into it from the cast member's perspective. Mm -hmm. It's very similar to a Trader Sam's style establishment. So I think that's cool that even though they went a different direction than Trader Sam's um, and they went more with this Indiana Jones theme. Um, I like that they're still very interactive. It's interesting. I don't know. Why are they obsessed with putting Trader Sam's in like the smallest locations possible? Can we it have like a... It makes it more exclusive. No, I want like a 3,000 square foot Trader Sam's where everybody can get in and enjoy it. No. And that's the worst part of it. It's not as cool. Not as exclusive and not as cool. Exactly. So let's talk about the source material. And really what it comes down to is who is Jock Lindsay? And this is, Catherine mentioned it before, this is where we had a disagreement that you didn't think Jock Lindsay was a real person from Indiana Jones. I didn't know that there was any sort of correlation between the two. So Jock Lindsay is a real person. Well, I say real person. He's a real person from Indiana Jones. Yes. He was in Raiders of the Lost Ark. He actually only had about two minutes of airtime in the movie, and it kind of sparked... All of this, but he did show up in other things later. He showed up in some Indiana Jones comic books, some Indiana Jones video games. He's in both of the Lego games I saw, which is very interesting. Okay. But his role in the movie was that when the very first one in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Jock Lindsay is a freelance pilot that Indiana Jones hires to help him on his quest for a variety of different things, but ultimately for the Ark of the Covenant. Okay. So freelance airplane pilot. Is there anything else you need to know about him? So there's a couple of things that we learn just from the little bit of time that he's on screen. He does have a pet boa constrictor named Reggie. So is Reggie in the movie? Uh, How do I, we know that? I don't know if the snake is specifically in the movie, but this is also this is the very first hint that we get that Indy is scared of snakes. Uh, this is I the like only that. time that jock and indy disagree jock is like his persona is very very easygoing mm -hmm. i'll get into it a little bit later on about like kind of what the lore is around him but yeah that that's the only time that they disagree is because jock is very loyal to reggie and he's not budging <laughs> on you know having a pet snake okay other things that we know about Jock Lindsay, specifically from the movie, he is a big fan of baseball. He's specifically a fan of the Yankees, which knocks him down a couple pegs in my book. But yeah, yeah, that's okay. Everyone sorry, has their flaws. Sorry, Yankees fans. Uh, he wears a Yankees hat that's kind of like his signature thing. His look. He's always wearing a Yankees hat. Uh, we also know through discussions and a little bit in the hangar bar as well. It's kind of a mix of that. He did compete in different air circus circuits and things throughout the Midwest. air circus circuits. That's a mouthful. Yeah. It's a tongue twister. And we 
I thought this was fun. We know that Jock owns quite a few planes, but the ones that we specifically know in the movies, he has OBCP, OBCPO and OB1. So two Star Wars references there. Think Which George we can Lucas, appreciate. Yeah, I think George Lucas had anything to do with that. I mean, I wouldn't think so. Why wouldn't he? I, why would he? He created Indy. Ooh. <laughs> Face palm. See, this is why I just shouldn't I, I shouldn't say anything. I didn't know that. Yeah, he was the original writer behind Indiana Jones. Wow. He's a very creative guy. He was. <laughs> yeah, Steven Spielberg. I mean, it's kind of his baby, but George Lucas was definitely involved in Indiana Jones. So that's why you get a lot of references to Star Wars and vice versa. Like and the airplanes. The, and Harrison Ford, of course, being in both of them. Did okay. you know Harrison Ford was Indiana Jones? I did know that. You got to give me like maybe a little baby ounce of credit. Thank goodness. Very happy. You learn something new every day, right? I did. Yeah. So in the movies, Jock was actually played by a real life pilot. So his name was Fred Sorensen. And this was the only acting credit that he ever received was playing Jock Lindsay in these. And after this role, he went to just be like a normal commercial pilot. Can you imagine, like, you're the biggest Indiana Jones fans in the world. You get on a Delta flight, and there's Jock <laughs> Lindsay just flying you. I don't know. I would compare it to being a Bachelor fan, and you have Pilot Pete as your pilot. Okay. just That no, would be no. exciting. I'm not listening. No, no. This guy had a two-minute acting career. Two minutes. And you're going to compare that to someone on The Bachelor? Yeah. To one of the most classic movies of all time? Yeah. Okay. Agree to disagree. <laughs> he did a little interesting fact about Fred Sorensen, though, is he did stay in touch with Steven Spielberg afterwards. And there's an interesting story. And we're not going to get into all the details here. But when Spielberg and some of his other crew were on set in Kauai filming Jurassic Park, they got stranded on Kauai due to a hurricane. And so Fred Sorensen flew down there and got them. Oh, my gosh. So he was like then a real life Jock Lindsay. Oh, that's cool. I thought that was pretty cool, too. Yeah, I like this guy. Go Fred. So all of this leads up to kind of the penultimate thing that you need to know about Jock Lindsay to really understand what the hangar bar is all about. And is that he is a confirmed member of Disney Sea. Some of you may be familiar with this. Some of you may not. So we're going to give you a brief little taste of what Disney Sea is. If we were to talk about the full gamut of it, it this would be a three-hour-long episode. At That's least. its own series, for sure. That's its own podcast, honestly. You yeah. You could do a complete Disney C. Uh, you could talk about it indefinitely. There's so much to do there. But essentially, it's a fictional secret society that lives within the Disney theme parks internationally. It has its very, very first roots in the Adventurers Club in Pleasure Island. Now, the exact story has changed over time, and it's not directly created to the Adventurers Club, but that you can start to see the early pieces of the puzzle coming together there. But it's essentially exactly what it sounds like. It's this group of explorers and adventurers that come together, and their goal is to gather knowledge through exploration of both the land and the sea. 
Yeah, so when we say Disney Sea, the C stands for Society of Explorers and Adventurers. Yeah. And so there are many other confirmed members of C. There's actually some that are not confirmed yet. And I even was reading about at D23 a couple of years ago, Bob uh, Chapek even said, like, we're not done with Disney Sea. Like, we're still telling stories here. So mm-hmm. it is a continually evolving story and getting things confirmed. But just so you're aware, the other uh, references, and we might miss some of them, but the references that you get in Walt Disney World is at uh, Misadventure Falls at Typhoon Lagoon. The uh, Miss Oceaneer mm-hmm. is a confirmed member of Disney Sea. At Skipper Canteen, one of the skippers is a confirmed member of Disney Sea. And then Francis T. Bouillon is from Big Thunder Mountain, is also a part of Disney Sea. And we have talked about him. Now, at the time, did we know that he was part of Disney Sea? We didn't talk about it. No, not in that Big Thunder Mountain episode. Mm-hmm. But essentially, that just plays directly into the story. And that now is where we're going to transition into the storytelling of this particular Jock Lindsay's hangar bar. So here's how the story goes of how this was founded. So in 1938, Jock was hired by Indiana Jones again. So previously when he was hired for the Raiders of the Lost Ark, that was in 1934. Four years later, Indy comes back, hires him again for help and to help him with searching for the fountain of youth. During that exploration, They fly over central Florida. Jock notices this little town near a natural spring that he really likes. And he remembers it. It's a little gray on how long he waits. We've read some things that say four years later. We say some things that say like seven years later. But however, he went on with his life, but then he came back to this little town that he really grew to love and bought some waterfront property. And as you can probably tell, that little town that he fell in love with in 1938 was Disney Springs. I love it. That's such a seamless story. And it's very simple. It's nothing elaborate, which is what we loved so much about the story of Disney Springs. But it's just enough to let us know, like, hey, this is why this is here. This is why we have this hangar bar. And so if you think about the story of Disney Springs, so it was originally founded in the 18, the mid 1800s. A lot of people will place it around the 1860s is when they say that Disney Springs first started. So the town is pretty well established at this point in time. And I mean, it would be 70, 80, 90 years old by the time that Jock and Indy fly over it. And maybe they stop, maybe they didn't stop. However, something stuck with him, and so Jock decided to go back and buy this waterfront property and build a hangar there. When he first buys the property and builds the hangar, it's exactly what it sounds like. It is an actual airplane hangar functioning to hold his airplanes with, and he works on them when they're not in flight, and it's just a normal thing. As time goes on, he starts inviting all of these other members of C to come to check out his hangar. And when they come, they're bringing him artifacts, they're bringing him gifts, they're telling stories from all of their adventures. And eventually, so much time passes that instead of this actually being a hangar, it's more just like a party. 
And it's more just a place to come hang out with Jock and the other uh, explorers and adventurers. And so Jock makes the decision, hey, this is much better set up now to be a bar than a hangar. So let's take the planes out. We'll retrofit it, but I'll leave all my stuff in here and we'll get a fully functioning bar and fully functioning kitchen in here. So like you said, it's a completely seamless story and it makes sense. It does. And I love that it's also explaining why there are so many interesting items inside the hangar bar, because that's one thing that we're going to get into here in a minute, too. But just that there's so many hidden details and it's kind of like what the Imagineers were explaining um, when we watched a little snippet that we talked about earlier. But there's just so much to consume and there are so many little stories hidden within this overarching story that, you know, each of these little details, I mean, you could study and look at them over and over and over again, but it's all going back to this theme that like he just invited his friends over and they just brought back cool things and then they left him behind or they were gifts or whatever. And I do like it. It, it makes it a lot of fun because I feel like when you think about Trader Sam's, since we compared it to Trader Sam's, there's a lot to look at there too, but I don't know. This one seems more storyline. I think it is more story driven. And the fact that we don't even know all the details about C and what it is at this point in time, that's what makes you keep going back because there's artifacts in there that are maybe connected to a story that we don't even know yet. Mm -hmm. And there's things that maybe people haven't even made the connection. So there's a sense of adventure and exploration going in there because you... There are people who devote so much of their time to checking in on this. So many YouTube channels and other podcasts and, you know, everything going on of people looking into Disney Sea, but there's still so much that hasn't been uncovered. You could truly go in there and connect something or notice something that nobody else has before. Oh, yeah. And I think that's a really cool proposition that we have available. You know what it makes me think of? What? Haunted Mansion. Very true. Just that there, there is so much to still be discovered. And I feel like because there's that ambiguity there, it's almost like, oh, well, this could fit with this. And if it works, in a sense, it works. Yeah. So, you know, so do, does all that make sense about like, do you think like the story still holds up? Jock found it with Indy, came back, and then he built the hangar bar. Or built the hangar and then turned it to a bar. He just retrofit it. Oh, absolutely. And I think as we start to get into these details, and then I mean, we're even going to talk about like the menu and the food and how it ties into everything. I mean, there are little Easter eggs everywhere that just continuously tie it back to the history that Jock and um, Indy have together. Just that friendship, the adventures, and just that whole feeling that they have going just to round out the discussion on jock himself that he is kind of known like i said he's very relaxed he's very like an easy a fun guy to be around and even it is known that after he went all on all these adventures and after he went through the uh, circuits and competing in airplane flying in the u.s he like got tired of the rat race and he moved to Venezuela 
as well, just so he could be in the middle of nowhere. I mean, yeah, that's kind of why we moved to Florida, right? Just to retire, just to relax a little more. Yeah. And so that kind of fits into the theme of a hanger bar as well. I think it's like, he's just a fun guy. Like he's making margaritas. He's making old fashioned for all of his friends. And then he says, hey, why don't we commercialize this? He's an entrepreneur, right? He is. Absolutely. So let's talk about some of these hidden details. And this is where like some of our YouTube videos and pictures are going to come in handy if you want to check out those on YouTube as well. So a couple of big things based off what we've already talked about. Reggie's cage, his boa constrictor, is can be seen up above the bar. It is empty. No snake. Yeah, no Reggie. So Reggie could be anywhere in the hangar bar. Oh, don't say that. That's scary. <laughs> um, if you are looking for what Jock looks like, and you don't want to watch Raiders of the Lost Ark, his painting of his portrait is hanging to the right of the bar. He is wearing his signature Yankees hat. Speak- Go well, I was going to say, you can even see another Yankees hat in the bar if you're searching for it. So lots of references That's to, what his, I was say too. to his love of baseball. Yeah. The fertility idol that Indy stole in Raiders of the Lost Ark, and that's the one that he replaces with the bag of sand, which if you've seen the Indiana Jones stunt show, maybe you get some references to that as well. Okay. Okay. You're not following at all, are you? I, I, the stunt show I can, I can handle. Okay. I'm following you there. Um, so the shiny gold idol that he stole can be seen in the very back left of the bar and it's up on a shelf. Cause that's where everyone would put. A, an idol that you stole, right? Well, Just he doesn't like have any need for it sitting anymore. Sitting on a shelf. Yeah. In addition to that, to the left of the idol, you can see Andy's signature satchel hanging over. You can basically just like see the strap of it hanging off of a shelf or off of a ledge mm-hmm. almost. The You can also see voodoo dolls of Indy, Willie, and Short Round hanging above the bar. And they actually have the pin sticking in them as well. Oh, okay. So you can also see Indy's lucky Zippo lighter that is above the bar. And then uh, probably my favorite, we're saying hidden detail. It's not hidden at all. So the biggest thing there is the big boat that is out. If you're looking at the front of hangar bar, it's over to the right. And it actually has seating in it. You can't sit in it right now, but normally you can go out there and sit next to that outdoor bar. That boat's name is Reggie. But I think the more interesting fact is that if you look at this boat, it looks exactly like a Jungle Cruise boat. And that, again, ties back to when they originally planned for this to be Trader Sam's. I do love that so much. Yeah, you can see the like the smoke stack thing kind of in the middle where it would be if you were riding a Jungle Cruise. I also love so much that he just loves his snake. <laughs> like, I feel like that's how most people feel about their dogs. This is how he feels about his snake. I really wanted to figure out why the snake's name was Reggie, but I couldn't oh. find anything. I thought it might've been like a Yankees player, but Reggie Jackson was way after this. So if anybody knows where Reggie, the snake gets his name from, please let me Maybe know. Maybe he just thought it was a cool name. Very. He could just be a regular snake and he shortened it to Reggie. Uh, And last thing that we thought was pretty cool is stamped on the left wall. There are two, uh, I guess, plain names is probably what they are referencing. But there's R-T-O-D slash two. 
which if you read it out loud is R2D2. And then below that is RXE24, which that is a reference to DJ Rex. Yes. So Rex is uh, R-E-X or RXE24. I mean, yeah, so I guess it's exactly how it's spelled. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so DJ Rex, of course, used to be at Star Tours, now moved over to August Cantina. So you get some more Star Wars references in there as well. Which is pretty cool. You definitely have to look for that one because you have to look up higher than anything else to see that one. But I love that. And I love that I learned that there's Star Wars references yep. in Indiana Jones. And of course, that is not the only through props and the uh, everything going on in the walls. That's not the only way that story is being told. For these restaurants specifically, food also tells a major story. Yes. So again, it's important to note that when we talk about food, we're not rating food or like telling everything that's on the menu by any means. But I do want to highlight how these different names of the different food and drinks that they have here tie into the story between Jock and Indy because there are so many ties. And even when I was looking all these up, I just felt like I was going on and on and on because it's like every single name has a hidden meaning. And, you know, you could just look at them and think, oh, these are just cute names, but they're named after all of the important people or the places that they visited together, um, you know, people who they came in contact with, whether they were friends or enemies. And it kind of ties into like the ingredients and the things in the drinks and the food too. So if we start with food, um, the first one is Dr. Astorga's queso dip. I'm just going to go with it. Um, So this doctor, he was an archaeologist. He was a friend of Indiana Jones and he was a museum curator. So that's how they got to know each other. Um, Santipo's empanadas. This one was particularly interesting to me because a lot of these people that we're going to talk about all go back to the, the one movie. Raiders of the Lost Ark. The Raiders of the Lost Ark. So most of these people can be found in that movie. This one in particular, he was the greedy guide slash the thief um, who helped Indiana Jones get that fertility idol out of the temple in 1936. So maybe he also made empanadas. I was just going to point out, you're talking about that it's only really references to Raiders of the Lost Ark. And that's just because that's the only that's the real time that Jock spent with Indy. So a lot of Indy's other adventures didn't include him. So he wouldn't have known all these people about them. Yeah. That's fair. Good point. He wouldn't know about Shia LaBeouf is what I'm trying to say. Oh, okay. Good point. Good point. Um, Next, you have the snake bark. Oh, gosh. Snake bite sliders. Um, So, of course, Indian Jones hates snakes. Chuck Lindsay loves Reggie, his snake. Um, Club Obi-Wan chicken tenders or chicken wings. Um, Again, named from one of the planes. Star Wars reference. And then Dr. Forrestal's Churrasco. Correct. Is that a question mark at the end of that? We're not very adventurous eaters. But this particular person was a rival of Indiana Jones. And he also studied archaeology, but he taught at Princeton University. So kind of his enemy, I guess. Um, And then the drink. So these are where it starts to get very fun. And the menu is so big 
I couldn't possibly list all of them and I'm not going to list what's in them, but some of the names that stood out to me. So the first one was Shorty's Singapore Sling. So Shorty is the nickname for Indiana Jones, like best friend, right-hand man, sidekick kind of person. His full name is Short Round. And you mentioned him too. It's just fun to see you try to get through these Indiana Jones references. I'm just sitting back and watching. If you have anything to add, be my guest. You're doing great. You're doing great. The Fountain of Youth. That one is an obvious one because that is what him and Indiana Jones were looking for the second time that they met up. So that one's a fun drink name. Um, Then you have the German Mechanic. So... Apparently, the German mechanic is a character that comes up a lot in different Indiana Jones movies and comics and things like that, because this is another person that Indiana Jones did not get along with. They got in a lot of fights. Um, Indy doesn't get along with a lot of people. I'm, I'm starting to see that based off these lists, these names that we have Basically going on. Basically, any uh, Harrison Ford character, you can assume that they rub people the wrong way. <laughs> fair, fair. Um, but this particular German mechanic, I guess he's a big, burly guy, and he fought Indy. Um, he started to win, and then ultimately, Indy killed him. Dun-dun-dun. Shocker. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, you have the Safari Sangria, the Air Pirates Mule, Poncho's Margarita. So, Poncho Villa is a character who Indy ran into when he was fighting in the Mexican Revolution. Um, They fought alongside each other, and then Poncho ultimately saved him from being executed. So he has a pretty good significance. Um, Wrong Island. I'm just assuming they got lost a lot. (laughs) Is that fair? I think so. Yeah. Like I said, I'm a mediocre Indiana Jones fan, but yeah. I mean, considering they're looking for the Fountain of Youth in Florida, I feel like that they're pretty far off. Could be here. You never know. I would doubt it. And then my favorite, Reggie's Revenge, named after the beloved Reggie. It's pretty interesting that also you see a lot of the same ingredients used here because there's a lot of South American references, of course. And then Jock lived in Venezuela for a while, so he would have, you know, come accustomed to some of these tropical flavor type things. Really what you think about in Adventureland, too. It's interesting. You see a lot of similarities. You could almost retrofit this to Jungle Cruise if you wanted to. Maybe you see an Indiana Jones Jungle Cruise overlay at one point. But anyway, so you see a lot of things like lime, mint, watermelon, pineapple, lemon, tangerine, a lot of these citrusy, fruity, and tropical flavors that they would have that would have been appropriate based on their travels. Yeah, and what they could find. Maybe what they all liked. To kind of round out this conversation, I it is a bar, and it's probably you know it is that's what it predominantly is. They do have some food options there, like you mentioned, and they're pretty good. We're not getting into a dining review per se, but my point is that maybe you're not a drinker, maybe you have kids. This is still an excellent place to visit, and even if you're not an Indiana Jones fan. This is an excellent place for you to visit next time you're in Disney Springs. Yeah, I didn't even get to. They have a lot of non-alcoholic options, actually, um, with very fitting names, too. One that I remember was called like the Antidote. Um, Oh, gosh, they had a lot of really cool ones. Um, 
that again still tie into the theme. So like Brendan said, if you're just looking for that aspect of storytelling or, you know, if C really interests you, this is definitely a place to check out and just, you know, look around. Um, obviously right now you can't just like walk in and walk around, but you could get a little something, just kind of hang out for a while and then leave. Yeah. And I do want to point out if you do go in the short term right now, since they are doing the QR code menus, I do think that is one, this is a particular, I don't mind it in a lot of places. This is one particular place. The menu tells a fascinating story as well about Jock and about how this came to be and how different, why things are named the way that they are. So hopefully in the near future, we'll get the physical menus back as well, because that's a really cool part of the story here at this location. It definitely just adds to the experience. And that's what, you know, we're trying to get to when we're looking at the storytelling of all these different restaurants is just what are what are they trying to portray to you and what should you leave knowing or feeling or experiencing? And I do agree that there are some things right now that you are missing as part of that story, like all the little antics that go with just the thing, the, the things that you order you know, they do little things. Yeah. So my final question for you is just kind of now that we understand Disney Springs, we understand the landing specifically, this area, the transportation district, does Hangar Bar fit? Does it does it contribute to the narrative of the story of Disney Springs? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think the biggest thing that stood out to me was that he just kind of stumbled upon Disney Springs naturally, like so many other people would. Um, And it portrays, you know, he brought his business with him. He's adding something to what was already being built. It's something unique um, and it does have its own story. I think the location fits the landing, like you said, because it ties into those different methods of transportation and you get a lot of that feel for aviation. And as we get to the other restaurants, we'll talk about how they play into the landing. So I think this one in particular is one that makes me even more excited to learn more about Disney Springs. And for those who did listen last week, we left it kind of up in the air. We couldn't pinpoint exactly where the train reference was in the landing. We've since discovered it. We thought I thought I knew where it was and I was just a little off. But it's an STK. It is. STK is the reference to trains. So that's just to whet your appetite a little bit as we continue this series and specifically with Disney Springs is that you know you just look at the landing self-contained within itself like we said you got boating you got cars you got infocars you've got airplanes and you got trains and you have an electric company there's it's it is way more well thought out than we ever realized and i would assume that a lot of you are in the same boat that it's just a place that we went to eat and didn't realize that this is built the exact same way that the theme parks are done. It's maybe a little bit more subtle, but overall the story is just as rich and just as deep and hangar bar, even it's self-contained within its little story is so deep. Yeah. I think hangar bar 
And we'll have to see as we learn more about these other restaurants. But Hangar Bar might be one of those that exceeds the storytelling of a lot of these places. And I say that just because of Disney Sea. We're not going to see that in a lot of other places. I'm excited to learn more about Skipper Canteen now, now that we know that there's a correlation there. But I feel like for the most part, that is something that's very unique. But it's exciting knowing that because it's there in Disney Springs, there's more potential there yeah, for things to come. And I would imagine people who grew up with Pleasure Island and grew up with the Adventurers Club, like this is a great, it's not a replacement, but it's a great reference to it and homage to it. Absolutely. So anything else you want to add for Hangar Bar? I don't think so. I think we just about covered it. So we hope that the next time you visit Jock Lindsay's Hangar Bar, that you understand and a little bit more about the story and what is being told to you through the dishes and through the drinks and through the artifacts and through the decorations on the wall as well. And even through the cast members telling the story as well. Hopefully it enhances your next experience like it did for us. And we thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, please go check out YouTube. We're going to be putting out the video of our experience soon, talking a little bit more and showing some of these things in real life on what they look like. So I hope you can join us there. So thank you so much for listening. Happy Monday. And we will chat with you real soon. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Make sure you subscribe and leave us an iTunes review if you enjoyed the show. Between episodes, you can find us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland or visit DetourToNeverland.com. We appreciate you letting us be part of your day. See you real soon.